Welcome to Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a while now, our desire is that by the end of our time together, you can say that you've fallen more in love with Jesus and have a greater passion for Him and His purposes in the earth. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Jimmy, how you doing today? I'm doing all right, Brandon. How you doing, man? I'm I'm doing well. You know, feeling good. <laughs> good, good. You just did, this past Sunday, you just you brought out the Brownsville revival. Uh, I did. <laughs> hey, I, I want to encourage everybody to get right. This uh, look what the Lord has done. Lindell Cooley. Well, Lindell Cooley, man. And I'm telling you, we had within seconds, people were out of their chairs clapping and dancing. Need a good word today, man. <laughs> Go to Brownsville revival on Spotify. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. Well, that's that's good. We're doing this series on prayer. Yep. And that's going awesome. You're doing a great job. We just uh, started. Thanks, we got, buddy. Week one went good. Week one. Yeah. Moving forward. Uh, but today we're going to talk a little bit about decision making. Uh-huh. And there's so many voices in the world right now. So many people to listen to. Yeah. So many people to learn from or not right. to learn from. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but in a world where so many people are looking to so many things for for input how do we make decisions yes so why don't you just start going what's on your heart all right we'll jump in there yeah so um the 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 key here is what is my worldview and who's my authority in life i mean ultimately who is all knowledgeable who knows all things who's kind of my reference point that i'm going to over and over again to help me uh, to guide and lead my life or guide and lead others, etc. And hopefully, it, for most people listening to this podcast, you're believers. But, but I find that even believers don't go to the main source yeah. first. Yeah. Um, the, the, so example would be, um, let's say, um, you know, I want to know about relationships. So we go to the internet and, hey, let's find out all about relationships. And what's the latest blog going on? And what's the latest cool TED Talk on relationships? And da-da-da-da-da. And then we uh, hang out with our friends. We talk about relationships. And, oh, I like this or I don't like that or I want to be like this. And then we'll say, uh, oh, and then maybe somebody, some wise person in the group will say, is there anybody that's ever written anything on relationships like that was really good at it? <laughs> oh, okay, let's look at yeah. you know, present-day people, past history, like the historians. Now you're getting into some healthy places. Historically, what does Christian community look like? Historically, what's been healthy, what's been not? Historically. And then, and then we'll say, hey, is there a Bible verse for that? So what I find is we do an inverted model. We talk to the world, the media, and the culture, and our friends. Mm-hmm. And then we look at history, maybe if we're going a little deeper. And then somebody asks the very obvious question, hopefully. I wonder if there's a Bible verse for that. Yeah. Versus, what does the Word of God say about it? Mm-hmm. And us understanding, all right, this is what the Word of God says on relationships. So I go through everything the Word of God says. And here's what I find out. That relationships aren't about getting, they're about giving. Mm-hmm. Relationships are about forgiveness and honor and care and preferring one another and being unselfish and everything else. Man, I read the Word of God about relationships and I realize, oh my goodness, I thought relationships were all about me being fulfilled. But they're all about serving others so they might be loved. 
And the ones who, in the relationships that are about sacrificial love for one another, those are relationships that have health and life and vitality and longevity, whether it's a friendship, whether it's Christian community, uh, or whether it's a marriage or family, mm. um, I find that the Word of God speaks thoroughly on yeah. everything on to do with relationships. And man, I just get pumped up. I can just read Proverbs on yeah. relationships. And it's enough to last a lifetime to help me to know what a healthy relationship is. So we do the Word of God first in our decision making. Then we go to, all right, historically, who's been good at relationships? So you have people like in in world history like the Celts, they had a 300-year movement. It means they, they hung together as a community impacting all of society for the glory of God for 300 years. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's a little better than just like, uh, well, we're giving it a run, you know, I hope it works. We could learn something. Yeah, we could learn from the Celts. <laughs> we could learn from the Moravians. We could learn from uh, St. Francis in, uh, of Assisi and his intense yeah. troops of Franciscans uh, yeah. that would run around changing the earth. Because as kingdom people, we're not just looking for self-fulfillment. We're yeah. looking for God-honoring, rich yeah lives that can be transferred generation to generation because we built on the rock of the Word of God, not just on kind of the fad of the day. Yeah. One of the most powerful statements somebody said to me years ago, they said, if you marry yourself to the fads of the present, you become a widow in the future. Now think about that. That's deep. If you marry yourself to the latest thing going on in culture, the latest thing going on in the Christian world, if you, if you hook yourself to a wagon that isn't based on the Word of God and church history, it'll end up abandoning you in the end. It won't carry the day. Mm. So we, we instead of looking at culture first, we look at the Bible first. Instead of look at listening to our peers first, we say, what has history shown us, mm. those who've gone before us? And then we say, all right, now as a community, as friends, how do we apply now the Word of God and church history to our yeah. current complex culture? And the, the, my greatest reason for constantly bringing this up is that I find over and over again that we are so quickly moved by the latest uh, influential person yeah. in the Christian world, in the non-Christian world, in culture, non-Christian world, uh, and, and it's so exciting for a moment, yeah. but I know that its end ends in destruction. Yeah. So as long as we're going there, let's just let's be a bit controversial. So let's talk about when we talk about sexuality today. All right. So the the first reading on sexuality should be the scriptures. Yeah. So what does the Bible say about men, women? Say about marriage? Say about homosexuality or heterosexuality or or uh, right relationships, uh, uh, friendships versus sexual relationships. What does the Bible say? And not just commentaries online about them. No. Just look for the verses. Yeah, read, the, read the, the Bible. Read the Bible. <laughs> give, me, give me the Bible, all right? Because the Bible ultimately has stood the test of time like yeah. no other book in world history. The Bible is the number one selling book in world history. Yeah. The Bible has found to be true more than any other book in world history. It is faithful. You can trust it. It always works. It, 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 uh, the world will fade away, the scripture says, but the word of God stands forever. So now we're talking about a trusted historical source that can carry the day. So when I'm ta- thinking about sexuality, I'm not thinking about my feelings first, my preferences, or my desires, or even my love for my friends. 
I'm thinking about what does the Bible say? Then I have to say, all right, in church history, what has been said about sexuality in church history? Well, marriage between a man and a woman, like that's 2,000 years. Actually, in world history, it goes back 5,000 years. This was normative. It's not to say that people didn't practice homosexuality and have all kinds of other things, but what everybody understood to be central was man, one man, one woman for life. The new answers of today are cultural adaptations. They're not b- uh, biblically solid, nor are they historically solid. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because it's a personal preference of whoever the, the, those reading the Word or, or doing history is. It's, it's what works and doesn't work over the long haul. It's what's healthy and not healthy. And so we're never against the, somebody in the culture. We're trying to bring everybody back to Jesus, yeah. the Word of God, and a historical perspective. Yeah. L- let me take another example. Another example would be child raising. Yeah. So um, I don't know how many young people these days who have young kids are feeling insecure about mm. like how do we do marriage and how do we do children. We just don't know anymore. And I was like, no, no, we actually knew for a couple thousand years. And the, the, yeah. the not knowing is because we've gotten so stirred up by yeah. so many thoughts yeah. of pop psychology, culture, or reactions against things that people have done poorly and wrongly mm-hmm. in the past. So here's the deal. When it comes to parenting and family, how to run my marriage, read the Bible. What does the Bible say on marriage? You might actually be shocked how clear it is on how the home's supposed to run, that children are supposed to obey their parents, that dads aren't supposed to get mad, that um, you know there's a mu- there's a mutual submission, but there's also an order in the home. These things are all written for our good. So uh, if I was a young parent, what Laura and I did is we we said, all right, we don't know much about parenting. We aren't. We don't think we were parented the way we wanted ultimately. So let's read every Bible verse we can on parenting. Let's memorize those verses. And then let's go talk to people who have grown kids that love God and are like we want our kids to be like. So by talking to people who have already raised their kids, those who had done well, those who hadn't done well, because even those who hadn't done well were good counsel to us. So we learned from not only world history, but people's recent history. And then among our friends, mm. how are we going to apply the Bible? How are we going to apply the counsel of these yeah. mentors and elders gone before yeah. us? And how are we going to live life today? Yeah. So now I've got a grid for how I address every issue yeah. of life. Politics. What's the Bible say about politics, about government? Uh, right? You know, what, you know what? Just to give you a little clue, it says to pray for your leaders and submit to your leaders and, uh, and, and cover them. Wow, isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's the opposite of, it's not, and it doesn't say that we don't stand up for unrighteousness or injustice. Yeah. If somebody is unjust leader, we pray for them and we can challenge them. That's also scriptural, but it tells you how to do it and so yeah. on and so forth. So, but what does the Bible say about yeah. government? God, government's not God, it's to serve the purposes of God. Mm-hmm. So what's it say about government? What's church history say about government? Through, through world history and church history, what's worked, what hasn't yeah. worked. And then what do we do today as a group yeah. of friends to uh, work towards righteous yeah. government? So, man, you could give me an issue and I'll tell you how to get there. Just if, if there's anything I want people to get out of today's podcast, 
it's that God's word has been found faithful for yeah. 2,000 years. Man has been found unfaithful. It's true. God has always been faithful, but he can't be anything yeah. but himself. Man's interpretations of God have been unfaithful at times. Mm-hmm. So just because some human messed up the word of God or messed up an application or did something in the name of God wrong doesn't mean that I abandon God and his word. Mm-hmm. Because if you abandon God, it's who he says he is. <laughs> and His Word is the authority over our lives, then there is no firm ground to stand on. And you remember the, the, the famous Bible story that talks about the man building a house on the rock or man building a house on the sand. Man builds, builds his house on a rock. It remains when the winds and storms come. Man builds his house on sand. Mm-hmm. It all fades away. So where are you building your faith? Where are you building your life? Where are you building... And there is one source... Yeah that is central and has historical strength where the current kind of musings and wonderings uh, are are just throwing us around. It says in James, we're being tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine. And that that actually in the New Testament speaks of a sign of the last times. Mm. We're being moved by winds and waves of doctrine. We're being thrown about uh, by the deceitfulness of man, and, and we're, we're we're allowing ourselves to be thrown around instead of standing on the rock of yeah. Jesus in His Word. I, I just want to, if I may take a second, I just want to also highlight as you've highlighted the Word of God. I just want to highlight again to my generation: listen to the people older than you. Right. <laughs> listen. Yeah. Listen to that. We have so many, so much talk amongst ourselves trying to figure out right. where it is. And I've found out most of the time, if I just ask someone who's been on the same journey as me, but lived it a little bit longer. Yeah. And even if I disagree with them, if I said, I'm just going to try what they say. Yes. It usually has worked really well. Yeah, good work. <laughs> and, and so yeah. it, there's something about even our generation that I think the biblical context and the historical context, not just back a thousand years, but right. scoot back 20 years. Yeah. Find somebody who's lived it in front of you. Absolutely. And listen to them and just try it. Yeah. See if it works. I found that if I, I if I go into a conversation assume, with someone that I trust, assuming that I'm wrong, right. it's usually pretty good, actually. Good word. <laughs> hey, and, and my my deal is on our next podcast. Yeah. Let let's tackle that issue. Yeah. Where do we get wisdom from? Yeah. And 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 how does that work out between uh, uh, where do we humble ourselves and listen to others? Where do we kind of uh, listen but you know discern? Where do we challenge? And yeah. then how do the younger work with the older? Yeah. I mean, that's like huge, man. Because like you said, I think most people are one question away from a breakthrough. Yeah. They're just not asking the right question to the right person. Yeah. Yep. That's good. There we go. We got it set up for next time. In the meantime, go to the Word of God. Yes. Go to those a little older than you and to church history. Then say, how then shall we apply these incredible truths that never change? The wisdom of the ages that has always carried society through. And then, all right, what do we do today? Amen. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. For more information, please visit jimmycybert.com and antioch.org. We'll see you next time.